Spirit, one God. Amen. Brothers and sisters, today as we continue our days until the end of this Coptic year, 1739, and the beginning of a new year, 1740, this coming Tuesday, September 12th, uh, it's usually September 11th, but this year is a leap year, so September 12th, Tuesday, uh, we remember and we see that our Mother, the Holy Church, in her wisdom, nourishes us with readings concerning the end of the world and the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ as we end one year and we begin another. And this is done to remind us that just as our Coptic year ends, so also will our lives and indeed the whole world end at a definite time in the future. And as such, we must be prepared. Now the study of the end of the world is something known as eschatology. Eschatology, and that comes from the Greek word eschaton, which simply means the last or the final event. Eschatology is the study of the events that will occur at the end of time, the end of history as we know it. These events constitute our hope as Christians because they are going to be the sign when everything that we have been promised and preparing for in this life will be fulfilled and perfected in eternal glory. And you know, if you look outside the world today, it's clear that people are not satisfied with the way things are, unable to break through the bonds of the present form of the world. They expect these changes in life to come in the present world, in the present form of history. Just earlier today, I was watching a commercial, and it was a commercial for a car, and the commercial started saying, we need a new way of thinking. We need a new mindset to move forward. There's always this desire to move forward, to go beyond the present, because for many people, the present is not satisfactory. They think that if we just invent the next big thing, if we have the next political theory, whatever it may be, that we're finally going to have the perfect world that we all hope for. But guess what? That was the hope and the expectation and the work of every generation before us. This is not a new action that we are seeing all around us today. This action to progress and to move beyond what we have now and to move beyond what we had in history. This is all nothing new. But now we see it uh, maybe more widespread because of social media and the fact that the world is smaller. So we hear these ideas uh, much more frequently in our lives here. Either way, the point for us to remember is that Christians know that it's not a world leader. It's not a political philosophy. It's not an invention. It's not the solution to climate change. It's not any of these things that is going to create a perfect world. We know that in this life, in this world as it is now, we will never see that perfection that we hope to see when this world ends and everything will be transformed into a new life, a new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth. This is when our hope will be fulfilled, not in this present life. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be engaged, for example, politically, and vote whatever you 
know, we think is the best course of action, or we shouldn't support science. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that many people put their only hope in these things to the exclusion of faith, to the exclusion of morality, to the exclusion of God. And by doing this, they set all of these things, progress, technology, science, they set these things up as an idol, and they worship these things instead of God. And they have a false hope that these things can save them and make life truly better. But we as Christians, we know better. We know that hope for us is one of the basic virtues. It's a basic virtue of every human being. It is a divine gift that provides consolation and courage as we struggle in this life. Uh, in fact, Christian hope is one of the three cardinal virtues. Uh, the others, of course, being faith and love. Faith, hope, and love. These are the three cardinal virtues of every human being and especially of Christians. And they are, of course, related to each other. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So the things that we hope for, we have faith that these things will be accomplished. Faith is knowing these things to be true, these things that we hope for are true, even if we don't see them, even if we don't realize them in the present moment. Faith makes our hope certain, and hope in turn always nourishes faith and keeps it alive. And so we see that the faithful person lives with hope in God, and lives with faith, and lives in life. And one of the things that he hopes for is a future life in communion with God. A future life where we will be united with God in his heavenly kingdom. Our Christian hope for a future with God, it really comes from God's plan for our salvation. We all know, and we've mentioned many times, how God made us. And he didn't make us for death or sickness or all of the things that we experience now, but he made us to be with him. But then we, so to speak, took a detour by disobeying God. Our foreparents disobeyed God in paradise. And so the rest of human history has really been something like a detour. But God in his love and his compassion didn't want to leave us like this. God said, I made them for something greater. I do not wish to leave my creation like this. So his plan for our salvation was that he himself God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, our Lord Jesus Christ, would come and he would save us. And so he came and died for us on the wood of the Holy Cross and he began the process of our salvation. But this process will be perfected and will be fulfilled at the end of time, when there will be a judgment, when there will be a new creation, when there will be a new life. And this is our hope. The fact that we are not just going to disintegrate when we die should be made clear to anyone who even has a very basic understanding of science. Because one of the things that we know from science is that no matter is lost. Even when we burn a candle, it seems like the wax is going away, but the wax is providing fuel for the fire, fire is giving off light and heat, the matter of the wax doesn't disappear. 
It seems to the eye that it disappears, but it's not actually disappearing. It's being transformed. It's being changed. So if this is the case for matter on earth, such as wax, which doesn't disintegrate, how much more is this the case for a human being who is made up not only of matter, we're not only made up of you know, atoms and things like that, but we're also endowed with a soul. Our life continues even after we die. And this is our hope. Our hope is what happens after this. We know that we will not be lost. We know that even after our body is buried in the earth and returns to dust, we will continue to be conscious because our soul doesn't die. Our soul remains alive. So what is going to happen? That's the question. And this is our hope as Christians that our Lord will come again in the second coming in the Parusayim and there will be a judgment and then our salvation will be fully realized as we live with Him in His eternal kingdom. And so as we struggle in this life to be ready for that moment, we remember the church's message to us at the end of this year. This day is coming and if you are wise, you will watch and you will take care of your soul, and you will always remember your hope, remember your destiny, where you are going. Again, this doesn't mean that we should give up our lives on earth, and we should not care about politics and science, and living in this world and enjoying the things that God has given us. That's not what I'm saying. But we do all of those things with against the backdrop of our hope that our Lord will come and everything is going to pass away into something better. May God grant each and every one of us to be ready uh, for this day when it does come to pass so that we can realize our hope as Christians and be united with Him forever. Glory be to God forever.